1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And my co-host, as always on the podcast, is Sean Siegel. Sean, we had our show on Tuesday. We we said that we we had episode four hundred of the Road of His Overtime podcast. So that one is uh, in the books. But we're straight on to the next one hundred or the next four hundred or whatever we want to call it. And this is episode four hundred one. But we're delighted. Have a very special guest on today's show. It is Scott Barrett. We've had him on in the past. There's a few guys now, Scott, have got on to the their second appearance. We we didn't used to have many guests here on the podcast. So welcome back for a I I believe it is the second time. You can find all of Scott's work over at Fantasy Points, and you can check him out on Twitter as well at Scott Barrett DFB. But Scott, welcome back to the RotoViz overtime podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, really excited to be here. Uh, I, I told you guys, I wasn't joking. I've been looking forward to this all week. Uh, I kind of just like settled down in my bunker and I try and tune out the noise, but uh, I always really look look forward to reading everything Sean has to say, so i'm I'm gonna do that over the next next week or so and and i'll I'll get the the spoilers at least on this podcast.
3: Well, Scott, it's awesome to have you on. you're one of our favorite guests, and you mm-hmm. and I are currently kind of at the tail end of one of these rookie drafts where you've set up the league as an animal shelter league. It's a really cool league that you put together with a lot of your readers. And I was lucky enough to also be invited to that last year, co-managing the team with Sam Wallace. We'll talk a little bit more about that one in the second show, but it is cool. I think that as we head up to the reality draft here, that you and I are already drafting against some of these folks. And we've got a rookie draft going these early rookie drafts. You've, definitely got to be on your toes because you don't know the draft slots yet for these players so we're going to find out today though from you what the draft slots are going to be for all these guys so so we'll be be all set i needed to do this before we did our draft although you guys had a lot of picks and and sam and i were more down in rounds two three and four and at that point you can you can just have some fun but but this should be great and and we're going to start off here in the first show with some running backs
1: yeah, we're going to dive in. We're going to look at Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Obviously, those are the two names that are being uh, talked about at the top end of this draft class. Do you think that there, you know, should be a gap? Is it a big gap? Is it a small gap between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker? And then, I know this was part that you were excited to talk about. Is there a scenario, at least temporarily, that we would see them flip in terms of what we've seen previously with Jonathan Taylor and Clyde edwards alaire a couple of years ago? And for the people who don't know, obviously the the Chiefs did draft CE hitch over Jonathan Taylor, which was a an all-time bad decision.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you sent me this in the show notes and I replied back, I feel seen. I feel I feel so seen. Uh I think Sean and I were were two people who were pounding the table for Jonathan Taylor uh, before the combine as a generational prospect. Uh, And then I think Sean, if I remember correctly, stuck to his guns and said, this is the RB one. Even after the chiefs took CH, I totally flip-flopped. I'm like, Oh my God, he's with Mahomes. They're going to score 80 touchdowns. Like he's the RB one and that did not work out well. And and sometimes that's, that's what happens. You know, when you take who uh, a running back, who might be a day three caliber prospect in reality, and you you know, you try and fit him in. Andy Reid was like, this is, this guy is better than Brian Westbrook. And yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly not. I got sort of carried away in, in the hype. I'm like, you know, my model says he's, I don't know, RB, RB five in the class, RB six, but you know, Andy Reed says that like, I mean, who am I to disagree with Andy Reed? So I, I've kind of treated things differently this year. I've really just, you know, stuck to my guns and stuck to the model. Um, so the question was about Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. And, uh, I think right now specifically it is, it is, um, I don't know if there's a big tier between them, but I, I do think Brees Hall is the easy RB one ahead of them just because, you know, this is what like JJ Zacharyson's you know, pounding the table for all offseason is well, Kenneth Walker didn't catch passes and Brees Hall did. And, and yeah, that, you know, my model said Brees Hall's, uh, the, the better prospect by production efficiency, better prospect by athleticism and a lot of that came down to, hey, this guy projects to be a true bell cow at the next level. I'm optimistic on Kenneth Walker. I think he can catch passes. I, I think I think he will catch passes, actually. Uh, it's just a uh, way more of a question with him. So he's just the clear RB 2 but you know in that draft Sean was talking about, we, we took him one of the three. I'm, I'm pretty high on him. Uh are there scenarios where I could I could flip it? Uh I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I will watch the the post-draft presser and hope to hear the GM or coach say, oh no, this guy can catch passes. We're we're gonna turn him into a bell cow. That would be big. But like that's a good question to turn back to you guys. Is like, what are the the most likely landing spots and how many of those landing spots are are gold mines versus landmines? Everyone says buffalo. I I can't tell whether or not that's a a gold mine or a landmine. Like Devin Singletary absolutely smashed at the tail end of last season. But prior to that, it was just Josh Allen never targeting running backs and hogging all the rushing touchdowns to himself. So I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts.
3: Well, Scott, how, how important would you say the receiving element is? We've talked about guys who look like Kenneth Walker. They're the most likely to add receptions. And so I would completely agree with what you're talking about there. I think there's a chance that someone like a Brees Hall – maybe is the most likely to not actually be a huge receiving back in the NFL. Now there's a difference between say three expected points per game as a receiver and, you know, six, anything like that's going to change kind of what you're looking at both as a baseline. And then as you know, how does the person look when they outperform, you know, can they get to where they're averaging 18, 19, 20 expected points a game and then have a season where they go three or four over, and then suddenly you've got a league winner. How does that portion of it play out to you? Now, obviously, we know that you can't – we get overly confident in how accurate you're going to be in terms of saying what the workload is for these players. But when you're looking at it, is it necessary to get – those receptions to, to really still have the guy on your board and we've got some guys like a derrick henry who obviously has done really well now that's something where you've got to be like best of the best and most of the guys coming in aren't going to do that but you also have someone like a jk dobbins who if he's healthy and if they don't add some like melvin gordon could perhaps also do some things without the receiving but kind of when we're looking at it several years ago you have deandre swift versus jk dobbins and obviously the receiving element post-draft especially, becomes something that people are looking at. Is that the number one thing that we should look at? And just to kind of <laughs> look at Buffalo, I mean, I, I don't think that would be great because Devin Singletary is actually pretty good. And so suddenly you're then in a situation where I don't think that you're going to immediately put Devin Singletary to where he's getting, you know, 15% of the snaps.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a good point. Although Singletary, they, they kind of like waffled on him. There There were uh, parts of the year last year, the year before where he kind of like faded away and then he came back super strong and was a bell cow. But but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that point. Uh, so my draft strategy with the running back position specifically is that with very rare exceptions, e.g. Derrick Henry, I am bell cow or bust. I want bell cow running backs. And I define that arbitrarily as a running back who – You know, dominates by snaps, carries, targets, snap share, carry share, target share, and you know wins in all of those areas and gets uh, uh, all of the goal line opportunities. He doesn't cede that to another running back. And and I don't want just workhorse early down plotters who don't catch targets. I don't want scat packs who only catch targets. I don't want handcuffs. I don't. I just all in on on bell cows. And if you're not a bell cow, I don't want you. Uh, In a PPR league, a target is worth 2.64 times as much as a carry Uh, outside of the red zone. It's worth 3.13 times as much. And so it was really interesting when I ran through my model is like my model is kind of like just mirrors my methodology. That wasn't at all intentional. It's just sort of how it came out. Where it's it, it it you're basic it's basically ranking these guys like by their bell cow potential, which is exactly what I would have done anyway without my model. And so like the, the main separator between Hall and Walker is it's a known fact, I think, my model thinks that Hall will be a bell cow in the running back and a very high level prospect. With Walker, it's just a question. But it but again, I'm I'm optimistic and I I look at all the things that are most predictive. Uh, for future fantasy production in the NFL, and future receptions. And so I don't look at a lot of the things other people look at, like reception share. Uh, I don't think that's too predictive. Uh, missed tackles force per reception is a good one. But you know what's predictive? Being an elite runner, because at least that we know gets you on the field. And Kenneth Walker, by my data, is an elite runner, like really obscene, obscene metrics. And and we've seen over the years, so many uh, running backs who did not catch passes in college, who became ultra productive pass catchers, Darren Sproles, Le'Veon Bell, Ray Rice, Ladinian Tomlinson, more recently, Jonathan Taylor, AJ Dillon, Melvin Gordon. And those last three specifically, that was due to what I believe to be coaching scheme stubbornness. You look at all the running backs that come out of those schools and they just never, caught passes and i think that was the same exact thing with Kenneth kenneth walker because remember he transferred from wake forest and so since uh dave claus and their head coach joined wake forest in 2014 no other power five team uh uh targeted running backs as infrequently as them they were they were two times below the league average rate by receptions 2.5 times by receiving yards so it was just like they never asked him to do it. So I I I it's just, yeah, he's raw in that gar- in that regard because of course he was. Uh and then it was actually the same thing when he transferred Michigan State. You know, they historically didn't uh target running backs either. Uh, but in high school, he was hyper productive as a pass catcher. Uh, and and just for what it's worth, uh guys like Daniel Jeremiah and other NFL mock drafters are very high on him. They've been sent practice film that was allegedly very impressive. But if you want to get into the weeds on on Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker's runners too, we we could do that. But that's just uh, sort of the bull case argument for Walker and and one I I personally ascribe to.
1: You mentioned the uh, the bell cow element of it. Do you think that both of those guys are landing spot dependent? Or you mentioned there that you have Hall slightly higher. Do you think that he is okay regardless of landing spot? When we look around the NFL, we mentioned Buffalo. There's a lot of scenarios where – Either we have Russian quarterbacks, which doesn't help certain running backs in certain situations, or else we have semi-established or established veteran running backs in those rosters. So it is looking like you know scenarios that happen here that these guys aren't going to land at ideal landing spots. So do you think there there is an issue with where these guys do land?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's certainly possible, as Sean knows, uh, draft capital and landing spot matter so much more for the running back position than any other position if like this is never going to happen but like if pittsburgh takes Brees hall then yeah like he's dust right so um it's just it's just so hard to say at at this point in time um yeah one of these guys could get buried behind an entrenched starter i I don't think that's too likely though uh miami makes a lot of sense they we they wanted javante but denver uh, Trade it up to pick right in front of them, snipe them. Uh, I think that would be a, a pretty fun landing spot. I think either one would be the R, the clear RB one. Uh, Atlanta, that's a, that's another one. You know, that's not like uh, if if Kenneth Walker goes to Atlanta, that's like not that fun for but for Brees Hall, that's that's big. Uh, assuming the narrative on the pass catching holds, you know what I mean? Like because because if you're a Derrick Henry, you're massively game script dependent. Uh, in losses, he averages like 12 fantasy points per game across his career and wins. He's like 20.1. Uh, and it's sort of this, but Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, the average more fantasy points per games in losses. So yeah, and, and the offensive line matters a little bit less where it's, and we saw it with Najee Harris last year too. You, you can overcome negative game script for fantasy by catching those targets is that that's what's going to happen. You know, they're going to go more pass heavy and then you're going to be a beneficiary of that. So um, I mean, there's all things that, that play a role, but um, I don't know. I feel like I'm not doing a good job of answering. I just, I just can't really right now, pre hindsight, like where are the landing spots? I don't, I don't know.
3: Yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things to look at right now is it doesn't appear to be that great, but we saw Jonathan Taylor go into a situation where Marlon Mack and Dame Hines would, have, <laughs> would seem like hurdles and he Fairly really quickly blows those guys away. Obviously max right. injury factors in, you know, Taylor could have been the player who got injured, but we knew what the injuries are gonna take place. And once they do, you really just do want that talent. And As you mentioned, you want that profile.
2: Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRadio2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription.
4: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment, and before undertaking a new healthcare care regimen, including EE system.
3: And so speaking of profiles, this is a thin class after those two guys, especially after Isaiah Spiller blew the pre-draft process. On the other hand, You know, he's a guy with decent size, strong age-adjusted production, three-down ability. Scott, give us the case for drafting some other running backs ahead of him. One of the things that I think is kind of interesting here is that you look at uh, the mock drafts and and kind of where they average out to project players. The tier immediately after Isaiah Spiller is weird because it's got a bunch of guys who are not good athletes and were not good in college. And so (laughs) I'm having a hard time understanding what NFL decision makers are looking at that they would be excited about that style of back. If, I mean, if that's the other style that we have here, then maybe for me, Spiller climbs back up because at least he's better than that. But I think that you've got some players here that you're going to give us that that we should be looking at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I just said like the, the Ceh thing, you know, like since then, I've, I've really tried to stay true to my board and not cave into peer pressure or projected draft capital. Um, last year, I think there was, there was two guys I, I did that with, I, my model said Ramondre was above sermon and like, I liked Ramondre better on tape. And then I, I caved and I, I, I flipped them and like, I beat myself up. So like, I'm really staying true to my board here. And like most of my dynasty leagues are, are pre rookie draft, uh, pre NFL draft rookie drafts. So, um, yeah, I have, I have Isaiah Spiller, RB seven, uh, the production model hated him. Uh, the athleticism model hated him. Um, so I have Brian Robinson, RB three. Uh, I feel really good about that. Uh, and then RB four through six, it's a little murky. I, right now I'm tentatively, uh, Damian Pierce, Rashad White, Tyler Algier, then Spiller, then James Cook. Um, and, and what's, what's tricky in this. So just a, a macro perspective of the class as a, a whole, it, it sort of reminds me a lot of 2016, which you'll remember wasn't a particularly great draft class. It had Zeke. We can say that's, that's Brees Hall. It had Derek Henry. We can say that's Kenneth Walker. Uh, it had a bunch of bad quarterbacks. Uh, didn't really have a ton of great tight ends. Hunter Henry was like the only one drafted in the top. 75 and he he was he was better i think before injuries um but anyway the wide receivers too it's it's it was uh basically a bunch of busts. it was like what Corey coleman wide receiver one and will fuller and really like the best one of the group was like michael thomas who i think was wide receiver six but anyway this is that's what this class reminds me of after henry in 2016 it was strictly purely non-bell cows non-starters maybe Jordan Howard. And so like this class, again, like it, it just feels like a lot of non-bell cows. I don't know if there's a st- single starter running back in this class, uh, but maybe there is, maybe there is. But um, uh, Brian, these are the guys I think have the best bull case argument. Brian Robinson, he's sort of like Alexander Madison 2.0 to me. Uh, the model liked his bell cow potential. Um, interestingly, I had Jim Nagy on my podcast, the director of the Senior Bowl, he said last year he thought Brian Robinson was better than Najee Harris, and he talked to people inside the Alabama building who felt the same way, which is just like wow, crazy. And and so my model had him RB three before that it was a decent enough combine relative to everyone else, didn't move him up. Uh, Damian Pierce, my model hated him, but the thing is, uh, so Lance Zierline, his his, his evaluation on Damian Pierce, he said the fact that he only had 100 touches was a fireable offense for the coaching staff. And it turned out that that coach did get fired. And so if I just doubled, if I just doubled, that was the thing with Alvin Kamara too, where it's like, yeah, why was he RB three on that Tennessee team? It made no sense. So in my model, if I just doubled his touches and production in his final season, he would have jumped all the way to rb3 so i just like i naturally gravitate towards players with that kind of upside that kind of argument i can make for them uh a hyper elite by missed tackles force per touch hyper elite by missed tackles force per reception uh touchdowns per touch like different stats like that uh efficiency was off the chains but you know again 100 touches uh i actually asked Nagy about that he said uh he like heavily hinted that You know, sometimes it's the case where, uh, there's, there's some guys in the locker room who make a lot of noise and threaten to transfer if they don't get their touches. Uh, I don't know. And know Rashad white, uh, really liked his bell cow potential, uh, hyper elite, uh, receiving efficiency. Some of the best yards per route run since players like Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, um, decent enough as a runner, uh, far more athletic than brian robinson or, or damian pierce uh really high-end elite athlete so yeah maybe i should have him rb3 i i don't or rb4 above pierce um and then uh algier i don't know he's, he's sort of like the least interesting of the bunch but uh um i i do like him above isaiah spiller
1: you mentioned rashad white there and he has been pretty trendy over the the last couple of months in fantasy circles but it sounds like you maybe aren't as high on him as some of the people in the the fantasy space, but the NFL decision makers don't seem to be maybe as high on him either. Do you think that there's a a chance that he is somebody who kind of slides into day three and you've run through some of the kind of the top five or top six running back names there. Do you think there's a possibility that we don't see a huge amount of those on on day two, day one? Do you think we're seeing most of them go on day three?
2: Uh, I think we just don't know. Uh, I don't know that my rankings are gonna sync up nicely with uh, draft capital. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're gonna see teams like really prioritize a scat back like James Cook. But I mean, like that's a scat back isn't as valuable as, you know, Brian Robinson's upside if he can become a bell cow, even if he is more of like an Alexander Madison type, it's still like, all right, well, you know, like, 50-50, 50-50, he's, he's a bell cow. Or what if the guy in front of him uh, gets hurt or if it's just like a perfect landing spot? Um, Rashad White, yeah, I I didn't really get why the NFL hates him because uh, Dane Brugler tweeted out in like February, someone someone came after him and was like, why do you have Rashad White, your RB18? You're lazy. And he's like, oh, then I guess a bunch of NFL teams are lazy because they have them a lot lower. So that's just like really scary. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Uh, his numbers are off the charts. Freak athlete. Again, I probably should bump him above uh, Damian Pierce. Um, my rankings are a little outdated. The only negative I could come up with, and I really tried to come up with a strong negative to to see what the NFL is seeing, is that his offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, um, in six seasons as an uh, NCAA offensive coordinator, had you know, absurd levels of production and hyper-efficiency at Jeremy McNichols, uh, uh, way more volume, uh, similar receiving production, Alexander Madison, uh, uh, way more rushing volume, similar receiving production, George Holani, who is that guy? I, I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> similarly productive. And so it's like, maybe this is a scheme thing because like my my running back model's biggest flaw is it just loves Mike Leach running backs. And every year I have to manually adjust down whatever Mike Leach running back it is. Uh, So maybe that's it, but, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty bullish.
3: It is interesting that you mentioned that, that there are these prospects who are getting boosted because the NFL is saying, essentially, we think their college coaching was very poor and others who are getting knocked. One of the things that strikes me as odd here is that you have such a big athletic gap and it's like, I don't know if we want to be knocking the guy who has true NFL athleticism and boosting the guy who doesn't, because that's a pretty relevant element. You know, running back is basically an athletic position, but you mentioned that. And it's kind of interesting because as I put putting together the article on white today, you know, you have Jeremy McNichols as one of his comps and, and point out, no, there, there are guys who fail with this profile, even though the profile itself looks very good. So, Scott, I know that this is kind of a, a hot-button issue for you or just that, as you mentioned, you're a bell cow or bust guy. But once we get into kind of the deep rookie drafts and, you know, frankly, once the, the wide receivers do eventually run out because there's not an unlimited number of those types of players that you're going to put on your roster – we do get back into this area where there are some smaller backs. Now I know you don't like the small guys, but when we're looking at some small backs who run in the four fours and contrasting them with big backs who, you know, weren't good, aren't athletic, all of that type of thing, how are you dealing with that when, I mean, obviously these pass catching backs in PPR, if you're looking at a build that maybe is more wide receiver heavy overall those guys can come in they can make some emergency starts for you we have a little bit of a talk about potentially a fast track with all the guys who ran in the four fours but you have guys like pierce alagiere as you mentioned and then kyron williams who's not a big guy but also like not big and not athletic how are you breaking down kind of that element can we get you on board with any of the small fast guys um yeah,
2: I think there's there's a few of them. The one thing I'll say about Kyron Williams, uh, so like my production model didn't like him. Uh, and my athleticism model, uh, by sports score, my like just custom predictive athleticism said uh uh he's third percentile, nineteenth worst of six hundred and twenty-two running backs since two thousand. The only thing I'll say about that is like every uh mock drafter says he's gonna be a scat back in the NFL and like athleticism doesn't matter as much if you're a scat back, just like athleticism doesn't matter as much if you're a slot wide receiver, Theo Riddick, Tariq Cohen, Andre Ellington were some of like the least athletic running backs of my model. And they were all like competent scat backs. Um, and, And it's, and it's interesting too. Like if you look at like PFFs all time best pass blocking running backs, it's all like short guys. It's all like tiny guys. And, and, uh, You'd you'd think like the bigger backs would do better, but maybe it's just like they're small frame, like low man wins sort of thing. Plus, it's like it's more just like getting there, like the lateral agility that that requires. Um, but anyway, uh, I think Pierre Strong's really interesting. Uh, he's super athletic. Um, his numbers are, are ridiculously good. He's just like a small school, so my model always you know severely penalizes and and. Also sort of has a blind spot for those guys, but great numbers, great, great score. Bryant Kobach like isn't really worth mentioning because he wasn't invited to the combine. But uh, another super athletic, small school guy who my model thinks is at least a little interesting. Uh, who, who are you thinking of as as? Uh,
3: well, do you like the, the guys like Cook and Baby and Goodson and Ford? Any of those types of players do anything for you?
2: I mean, James James Cook scares the crap out of me because he's getting Alvin Kamara comps, uh, but I didn't have him as all that athletic. I had him as like a perfectly 50th percentile uh, athlete, barring his his three cone. I'm not sure if I have that in my data or not, but um, uh, yeah, he he's not that exciting. Kennedy Brooks, I I did really like. I mean, his numbers are just really really impressive. Uh, I think there's, he had a bunch of red flags, like the off the field concerns. Uh, he's one of the oldest running backs in the class. He's a non-factor in the passing game. Uh, didn't really improve on his freshman season, but he he also really does have some of the best, most impressive staffs in the class.
1: Tie things up. It's going to be hard to, you've, you've gone through, you've kind of named most of the guys that we're going to be talking about, but we have it in the show notes as a must draft running back so when it comes to fantasy but i guess if you want to open that up we can say who is your favorite running back in this draft class so i'll, I'll give you an option one or an option two but uh
2: yeah i so um uh, again i i'm not the right right person for this it's it, i'm very bell cow or bust if it's not a bell cow don't draft him so like i have Brian Robinson RB3 i that's that seems a lot higher relative to consensus but uh i really I'm going to draft Brees Hill, Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, or I'm not going to draft anyone. Uh, But yeah, after that, relative to consensus, uh, Brian Robinson, Rashad white and uh, Damian Pierce. I like, I like their, you know, swing for offenses kind of upside.
3: We're going to get into wide receivers in the second show, but kind of to, with that in mind, are you trading up? Are you paying extra prices to get ahead of some of these wide receivers to get to Hall and Walker do you like them enough relative to the receivers to do that uh
2: yeah I think so I don't know we, we have a lot to talk about in a wide receiver episode
3: that's a
1: perfect way I think to uh, end it with a little tease for the Saturday edition of the podcast but I did mention it at the start uh, follow Scott on Twitter if you're not doing so already it's at Scott Barrett DFB you can check out all his work over at Fantasy Points. But as we do get ready to finish up here, Scott, is there anything that you have uh, coming out over the, the next week or so that you want to highlight to the listeners?
2: Uh, yeah, just just check my my pin tweet. Uh, my model articles are all finally published. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and everything that goes into that. My wide receiver article is 22% the length of the catcher in the rye. So enjoy that.
1: Thanks again to Scott for jumping on the podcast. Looking forward to having him back on Thursday as we do talk wide receivers for the upcoming draft. The, uh, the draft, you know, it's, it's practically here at this point, Sean. Um, but as, as we talk through, there's still a lot of question marks around uh, what's going to happen come NFL draft day.
3: There is. And that makes this next week and a half, a lot of fun. It makes the draft just one of the best events that will have gotten to participate in or witness in a long time. And then it'll make the post draft time period with the rookie drafts, uh, just I mean, fantasy football is awesome. Right. And it's so much fun to be able to do this year round. It's so much fun to have that off season that in many ways is better than the real NFL season. So we've been really enjoying that. I'm looking forward to using the info that we're getting from Scott in our RotoViz Triflex Dynasty Leagues with the FFPC have three of those that will go right after the NFL draft. Uh, ben Gretsch and I just drafted a rookies and sophomore, a couple of teams for Stealing Bananas. So make sure you check that out. We can also use all of the great insights we've gotten from our guests over the last six weeks. So many good uh, film analysts, stats analysts with different insights into these various players and there are a lot of cool things you can do on underdog to take advantage of that make sure you get in there and do a few of those drafts with the coupon code rotoviz you'll get a 100 deposit max so up to 100 if you put that in your underdog account you'll burn through that pretty quickly because those 10 dollars drafts <laughs> are very addictive and a lot of fun but it's just it's so fun to do these pods and to immediately turn around and play leagues
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned the guys we've been on over the last uh, quite some time. And for the listeners, pinning back the curtain, we did already record the show that's going to come out on Saturday with Scott. And I don't know if it was on today's show or the show on Saturday, but he did mention the likes of Danny B. Kelly. Um, Obviously, we have had Danny on recently. We've had Travis May, who will actually be back on next week's show. Matt Hicks. There's just been a a great run of guests on here talking draft content uh, over the last kind of, I would say two months, Sean, uh, we sprinkled on some baseball content along the way, but it's been a, a fun run as we get to uh, look ahead to the NFL draft now next week. But Scott, we'll be back on the Saturday edition of the show. Uh, and just to finish things off, I do want to let the listeners know, as always, if you haven't signed up already, you can sign up to a road of His NFL pass and save yourself 10% as a loyal podcast listener. All you have to do is add the code RVRadio2022 at checkout. That'll save you 10% off that subscription, get you all of the access to the content and tools up on the site, and uh, very, very much worth the investment for the 2022 season. We are going to leave it there for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. over to marlin you can check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com he did also mention the stealing bananas which came out on wednesday uh two drafts that they did over at underdog check that out a lot of fun listening through you'll get a lot of insights on both the rookies and also the sophomore players the players entering their second year in the nfl so check that one out over on the stealing bananas podcast feed and until we're back on saturday have a good one